Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. It seems that in my meditation I've been thinking about is the need for us as a church to excel in the area of good works. All right, the Bible is very clear about Jesus' work on the cross of Calvary which is your position. That's where you stand. And like I said on Sunday, we have taught very much about dead works, how that your works cannot give you a positional standing. It is not by your righteousness that you have right standing with God, but it is by the work of Jesus that you have right standing with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, we understand the conversation of dead works, but God is calling us to a higher place or a higher dimension in TSP, and He wants you and I to take inventory in our lives on matters concerning good works. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. It's getting better now. So, God wants you to excel in good works. God wants you to grow in the things that you do because of what Christ has done for him. And I'm going to talk practically. You know, in the, in the few moments that I have, I will speak practically to you and I. And I would use the life of Jesus to show you how that Jesus, even though he was the substance, even though he was the word, he needed to engage in certain things uh, because he was having an earthly ministry. Are you still here? Now, practically speaking, most of us who understand the gospel, uh, we, we tend to leave the responsibility that the grace of God upon our lives um, would have us do or become. That responsibility area, that responsibility part, we, we tend to forget about responsibility. And we are very confident and bold and loud and knowledgeable about our position in Christ, our righteousness in Christ. We talk about how that we're forgiven, which is true. We talk about how that we are blessed, which is true. But I have found out that if you are void of practices, now I'm, I'm using the word practices because it would convey the true meaning of what I'm trying to say. If you are short of practices in your life, you would really not enjoy the best of God in your life. You would probably just have a head knowledge of God, of redemption. But if you stay away from practices, kingdom practices, spiritual principles that are key for your growth, you, you would never excel in your earthly ministry and you would never come to the full experience of what the Bible and the word of God teaches concerning you. I look at many believers who don't know what you know. 
If you've been in this church for maybe five years, you must know the gospel. At some point you have heard that he died for you, he was buried and he rose for you. And because of that, you have new standing with Christ. You see, so you must know that. But there are some people who don't know what you know. But they are very diligent with certain practices that God honors. Because God is not a respecter of persons. So from my personal experience, this is me talking to you now from my personal experience. From my personal experience, practices is what has brought me into certain experiences. Experience. I'm not talking about position. But practices is what has brought me to certain experiences. So I I came to realize that the only thing the gospel should do is make you practice more. The only thing the gospel should do is not cancel practice, but enhance your practice. The only thing that the gospel is supposed to do for you is make you pray more. So other ministries, forgive me if I say other ministries because we're not in any sense of competition. But a ministry that you know that prays but doesn't know the gospel still receives honor from God because of the practice of prayer. So I came to realize that when we don't understand these things that beckons on the diligence of the believer and the one who has grown in the gospel on kingdom practices, we produce half-baked believers. So that when you look at the life of someone who says, I know the gospel, my sins are forgiven. But there is something obviously missing in the life of that person. There is something significantly missing. There are experiences that the person is supposed to have but doesn't have it. There are certain things that you're supposed to enjoy as citizens of Christ, but you don't. There are certain, there are certain, um, you, you see, because, because God has designed that your spiritual walk, all right, this love walk, you know, it, if you read Watchman Nee's book, it is sit, walk, and then stand. So what is sit? Sit is your position in Christ. The walk is your earthly disposition towards life. How do you walk? So you walk from a sitting mindset. So you are walking from a rest mindset. Then the stand part, sit, walk, stand. The stand part is where you have to face the enemy. So you cannot be an ignorant believer who thinks that the devil doesn't attack you. So I I really want TSP to come to that place where we understand acts of faith. Things that the Bible calls acts of faith, labor of love, practices. So if you look at ministries across the country, across the globe, there are ministries that excel in prayer. There are ministries that excel in service. There are ministries that excel in evangelism, soul winning, giving. There are ministries that excel in You know, they they talk about godly lifestyle. They preach about holy living. Now, all of these things we meet at some point. 
But where we meet is that we meet with them on the practice level. We meet with ministries that are focused on applications and practices on the practice level. But if you understand the gospel, where you're coming from is that you are being supplied the energy for the practice. So that you have not come to the gospel to do nothing about the gospel. So that even when we say Jesus plus nothing, don't add Christ to anything. It is true, but it's not a complete picture because you are on earth. Let me explain. When we say Jesus plus nothing, we're talking about Jesus plus nothing as pertaining your salvation. As pertaining your going to heaven. So Jesus plus nothing, the full work of Christ on the cross of Calvary, you were not a part of that work. You didn't contribute in the dying for yourself. It was not your blood. It was the blood of Jesus. But the Bible says that you have been saved for good works. You have been saved for good works. So it is Jesus plus nothing for something. It's Jesus plus nothing in the area of my salvation for good works. So, we need to excel in practices. We need to excel in kingdom practices. We need to excel. Because I thought about it. Why? Why? Jesus came as the word of God. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory as as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, if Jesus was the substance himself, why did he go through certain things? Why did Jesus submit himself to training? Practice. Why did Jesus, the first thing you see Jesus do that was recorded in the scripture is that he submitted himself to tutelage under the word of God. So I thought to myself, if he is the word of God, why did he need to be taught the word? Because he was asking questions from the teachers and he was answering their questions and he was learning. So why didn't Jesus just one day say that I would rather wake up and since I'm the word of God, I will just become the word and just leave the word. But the Bible says that he went and he sat down under those men. He was asking questions Answering their questions, practices. I want to steer us today to a rhythm of kingdom practice in our lives. Now, you see, when, 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 they, when they tell you, for example, that you must be religious about your prayer life. Let's take prayer, for example. Prayer is a good practice. But you see, some people just feel that you need to, you know, I mean... I'm all that I am in Christ. I don't need to pray. Did Jesus pray? If Jesus was the word of God, did he pray? Jesus had a practice of prayer. Because think about it. How could his life be shortened so much that in three and a half years, he was able to finish all that the father needed him to finish 
He was in touch with human beings. He was in touch with his father. He was in touch with toxic people. And he was in touch with his mission. So there needed to be something that he practiced, something that he was, something that was applicable in his life that kept him, kept him on course all the while. So Jesus never played with prayer. He never took prayer for granted because he was the word of God or he was the son of God. Never did. So that's why, you see, when, when I'm saying that we need to excel in good works, I'm saying that we need to take inventory in our lives and say, look, listen, there are certain things that I need to make straight in my life. Where is the place of prayer in my life? How important is prayer in my life? What is the structure that I'm putting to making sure that I spend time to pray in my life? Because if I don't do these things, there are certain things that I will be limited to experiencing. So I want us to have a rhythm of practices in our lives. You know, you're born again, but sometimes your interaction with the world makes your mind so carnal that you forget who you are. Just five minutes of praying in the Holy Ghost can brainwash you back to normal. Can reset your spirit right back to normal. Just five minutes of praying in tongues. So there are daily practices. There are certain things that we must do in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I noticed that Jesus submitted to his parents. Why? Why? Why did Jesus honor his parents? Because there are certain practices that are important for the fulfillment of his ministry. Why didn't Jesus tell Mary, you know my origin. Didn't angel give you what's up? Angel should have told you, given you heads up before I was born. And now I'm 12 years old. You got to understand. He didn't do that. See, when, when the mother said, don't you know we've been looking for you? He said, he said something to her. He said, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? But after he finished that, the Bible says that he followed them. And he was submitted to them for some time. Practices. Jesus, he was the word of God. He's the embodiment of redemption. But practices. And then when it was time for Jesus to step into his ministry. What did he do? Jesus submitted himself to John the Baptist. Why? Because, you know, there's, there's something, you know, sometimes we, we, we who understand the gospel, we can be very funny. We hear some words, but we don't know that these things are only true as pertaining application. They are not true concerning your position. So you are not just, you are called to operate from position. But you must be able to place demarcations and put position where position is supposed to be and experience where experience is supposed to be. So I'll give you an example. I sang this song. For your glory, I will do anything just to see you. I want to be where you are. And someone will say, Pastor Phil, I'm already where he is. Because I carry his presence. I get it. 
But have you forgotten that there is the part where you long to see his face when he comes back, to behold him when he comes back? Are you understanding? He says, he who has this hope in himself purifies himself. What is the hope? The hope of his coming. Yes, we carry his presence, but there is, there is a rest that we have not yet entered into, even though we have entered. Let me explain. You have entered into the rest of God, but you are still entering. Because you are a human being who is still dealing with a dimension that is in the flesh. So somebody can say, that song is not correct. I want to be where you are is not correct. We long to see him. Let's not be too extreme in certain things just because we know some gospel. Come on. So I want to see that you excel in practices. Jesus, when he was about to start his ministry, what did he do? He submitted to John the Baptist. Who is John the Baptist? Because some theologians will say that John the Baptist was probably dead in the womb of his mother. And it was at the greeting of Mary that John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. So Jesus should be telling John the Baptist, I raised you up while you were in your mother's womb. You should put some bounds on it. I raised you up. I wish you guys were standing out. I've told you to do it with me. <laughs> I raised you up while you were in your mother's womb. But he didn't do that. Why did Jesus submit to John the Baptist? He did that because John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist was the prominent voice at the time. And he was the greatest of the prophets in the Old Testament. But to fulfill all righteousness, John the Baptist submitted to the authority. Of, I mean, Jesus submitted to the authority of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist knew. He said, I'm, I'm the one who is supposed to do what you're doing now. But Jesus said, let it be so. Suffer it to be so. Because I must fulfill all righteousness. But some of us are so proud today. We cannot submit ourselves. That's what Pastor Jesus was talking about last Wednesday. He was talking about submission to authority. Some of us can't submit to authority. And you don't know that it's part of the practices that perfects your faith. Jesus submitted himself to authority. He, need, he needed to go under. I hope you know Jesus rebuked. Maybe not outrightly. But he put John the Baptist in his place. Much later in the future. John the Baptist came with some sarcastic question. Towards Jesus. Sent some of his disciples. Go tell Jesus. Is he the one we're expecting? Or is he the one that we've been waiting for? Or should we expect another? And Jesus sent those same disciples and said, go and tell John the Baptist, the blind see. Tell him what you've seen. But as they left, Jesus spoke very highly of John the Baptist. He didn't even allow the sarcasm affect his disposition towards John the Baptist. And he said, to, he said, he said of all men born of a woman, the greatest in the Old Testament is John the Baptist. But in the kingdom, the least is greater than John the Baptist. So today we don't practice submission. We don't practice honor. We don't practice giving. Because we say our sins are forgiven. We don't practice love walk. How can
can you say you understand the gospel and you are struggling with unforgiveness? You don't. You don't. You know, many times when you are academic about the gospel, the only thing it's going to produce is head knowledge. And it stays at head knowledge. It doesn't go beyond head knowledge. But you cannot walk in love towards your brother, towards your sister, just because of one or two offenses. We need to excel in practices. Let me tell you something. Do you know people you call legalistic believers who pray from the law, who give from the law? Because you are under grace, you should pray more than them. Because you are under grace, you should give more than them. Because you are under grace, you should be more committed in the house of God more than them. I called one of our sons in the house. He traveled and he told me, he said he went home and he was born in a certain church. He said that the people who he grew up seeing doing the work of God, he went back home. This is 30 years after. He saw them still doing evangelism. And then he went to his youth meeting in the church and they were having two hours of conversation discussing about what? So by virtue of his position, he told them, he said, listen, what are you talking about? See old men, they came here. 15 minutes, they just talked, prayed, asked God for guidance and took pamphlets and went out to evangelize. What are we doing here? That's how they picked their Bibles and they started going out for evangelism. So I said something to him. I said, can you imagine the number of years that those men have been consistently doing the work of God, witnessing to people, evangelizing to people, Imagine the level of treasures in heaven they would have backed for themselves. I'm saying this because if care is not taken, your Christian walk will get stuck in your head. And then you will lose the life part, the application part where there are certain things that you are supposed to do. That's why Paul said that I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul said something very important. He said that the grace of God, show me that 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. He says the grace of God that was upon me was not in vain. What's the meaning of that? He's saying that if the grace of God, if you truly understand the grace of God, for that grace not to be in vain, it will show you what you do. Pastor Chibuzo said something, the only thing you know is what you do. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. What's the meaning of grace is not in vain? Is that you are using the grace. There are certain things that Paul said he was more than many people in the Bible. One thing he said is that he labored more. Another one he said is that he prayed in tongues more than some other people. So I said to myself, why will Paul be boasting? Does he know the prayer, prayer life of of, of church members. So why will he be boasted? Why will he say I pray more than all of you? He says, but I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God. Hallelujah. I want us to excel in practices. I 
I've been around in the, in in this thing for a while, and I've come to see the the, the there there is a deception of. The only the, let me put it this way: what puffs up? Let me explain that deception. What puffs up is the knowledge that stays in the head, not revelation. Revelation doesn't puff up. Revelation is what transcribed itself into into the life and into the heart. So, I started talking about a few things on Sunday. I can, of course, I cannot do that now, but I just needed to stir this work, this word of acts of faith, labor of love. That your labor of love will become more abundant this year. You know, we prayed about it on Sunday. Many of you desire to do great things for God. But listen to me. Those promises are empty promises if they are not supplied by the grace of God. Empty promises. You will try, but you will fail. And I tell you the truth, friends. It is more difficult right now to be committed to God than it was five years ago. Than it was last year. Than it was ten years ago. It is more difficult. More difficult. So we're going to put some structure to our practice. To our work of practice. There are things that you should excel in. Your work for the Lord. Your commitment to church. Your commitment in prayer. Your devotion in your study. You must excel in it. See, listen. I enjoy reading my Bible not because I'm coming to preach. No. my When I preach, I, I, I do that out of an obligation for God's people. But you see, that is not where it is. That's not all that there is for Pastor Phil. There is a part of me that just wants to read the Bible so that I can be ministered to. You see? So, let me show you something in First Peter chapter 4. If you have the NIV version, use the NIV. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. Verse 10 to verse 11. First Peter chapter 4 and from verse 10 to verse 11. It says, each one of you, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Are you seeing this now? So God is saying that if there are gifts, if there are graces on your life, administer this grace in various forms. I don't know what form he's going to lead you. But whatever the Holy Spirit prompts you to do, you must respond to that prompting. So you administer God's grace in his various forms. Look at verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very word of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So the part that I like in this verse is, if anyone serves... He should do it with the strength. There is one version that says with the energy that God himself provides. 
So this is what by the grace of God means. When you say I'll be committed this year, I'll do the things that pleases God this year by the grace of God. The real by the grace of God is this. It's the supply of the spirit. You're not doing anything of yourself, but you're doing everything by the supply of the spirit. These days, people are very quick to say I'm tired, but when it comes to the things of God. But you don't say you are tired to eat. You're never tired to hang out. You're never tired to go on on outings. You're never tired to buy airtime. Are you tired to buy airtime? You're never tired to do anything. When it comes to yourself, because in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. But when it comes to God, that's when you hear people say, I'm tired. Because you're not using the energy that God himself provides. So we're going to excel in good works. Somebody say it louder, amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29. Let me show you something there. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29. Oh, hallelujah. It says, to this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me. Let's read this scripture together. Let's read it together. One to go. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. That's the Bible. So anytime you see Paul talking about labor, he tells you that there is a supply for the labor. And what's the supply for the labor? It is that which works in him mightily. If people like Pastor Kumui are not slowing down, do you know how old Papa Kumui is? Papa Kumui is probably in his 80s. Pastor Adeboye, they are not slowing down. They are preaching the gospel at every given opportunity. Old men who are meant to be resting. If they are not slowing down, we don't have any reason to slow down. These are the times where we need to wake up and do the work of God with the whole of our hearts. Win souls. Bring them to church. Let them hear the word of God. It's part of your work. It's part of the the way you grow. Get people saved. Get people. Demonstrate Christ wherever you are. There are some of your colleagues who don't want to hear Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. All you need to do is just wait for one opportunity that you demonstrate Christ in their life. Some of them just need you to lay hands on them. And one experience with God will change their mind about God. But many of us, we see the opportunities and we let it pass. You know, I've never been passionate about anything in my life more than the gospel. Never. Not even when I was in in, in, in the hospital. Never. I've never even been passionate more than my quest to do ministry than the gospel itself. I have always been passionate about God. From the day one. Because I recognize that I am only a steward of God's grace. Never, never have I ever been passionate about anything. Other things will come number two. I love football. I love singing. I love medicine. But it will come number two before Christ. So you see, when the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
It doesn't stop there. It says, and these things do the Gentiles seek. So the, the, the narrative of a Gentile, who is a Gentile? One who is not born again. Or one, one, now Jesus was speaking in a time, right? And he was talking about the non-Jews. But let me say, these things do the unbelievers seek. The unbelievers are seeking the things that is called the spirit of mammon. I prepared a sermon today, actually. So this is just me charging. I prepared a sermon called the spirit of mammon, right? And I wanted to show you how that the spirit of mammon is in opposition to God. The spirit of mammon is not the same thing as money. But the spirit of mammon can be on you that affects your money. So what the spirit of mammon is, is that it is the spirit that is antagonistic to God and to the things of God. So it affects the way you use money. Money is neutral. There's nothing wrong. Money is neutral. It depends on the spirit. Either it is of the influence of God or the influence of the spirit of mammon. So today in the body of Christ, the spirit of mammon is operating in so many people in the body of Christ. The spirit of mammon is what makes you pursue money as your primary essence of living. It is your primary goal and drive for life. That's the spirit of mammon. When the kingdom of God doesn't come first in your life, when everything that you do, your passion, what you wake up, your aspirations, if they are centered around how much you can make, because think about it, the Bible says that if a man's life consists in the abundance of the things that he has, we are of all men miserable. So there is what you call true riches, which Jesus teaches. But I cannot do that today because the time is gone. Um, there are so many things that I'm, this given month, so I'm going to teach you so many things on, on the attitude that the grace of God postures you to, um, um, it gives you a posture in regards to giving. Yeah. So, I really want us to excel in good works. Hallelujah. We're going to take inventory. Amen. I mean, you know, people take, people make excuses to say, because I'm under the grace of God, you can live your life the way you want to live your life. You can do anything you want to do. But you see, I I tell you something. It is going to be left to you and the consequences of your decisions. Because life has consequences. Not God. God has forgiven you and the penalty of your sin has been dealt with. But the problem is that your decisions will bring you to a destination in life Okay, and that destination is a direct result of your choices. So God wants us to excel in our practices. Paul came to the Thessalonica church or to the Thessalonians and there were a few things that he noticed. He noticed their labor of love. He noticed their acts of faith. They didn't need to be told that the word of God needed to be sounded from amongst them. They were sounding the words of God. They were proclaiming the gospel beyond their region. Today when people are invited to preach, 
They tell you how much you must pay them to go and preach. Money before the work. I have never, by the grace of God, never done that. I'm invited somewhere to preach and I say, this is how much you pay me to preach the gospel. There is nothing wrong when a pastor is giving money after he has preached the gospel to God's people. There's nothing wrong with that. But money, not, not money before the work. So it's time for us to be stirred up in our lives and we need to wake up back to certain practices. I want you to do a good timetable of your life. What are the practices that will enhance my spiritual life? What are the practices that will enhance what the Bible calls true riches in my life? I need to be intentional about these things. I need to grow in these things. I tell you, you're going to see a difference in your life. I tell you. Because by the time God begins to bring you into certain experiences because of your practice, this one will not be what Pastor Phil is preaching. This will be your own experience. You will come to know it for yourself. You know, the Bible says that to know the love of God, uh, Paul, can you help me on the piano? The Bible says that to know the love of God which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God wants you to excel in practice. He wants us as a church to grow in practices. He wants us to grow in commitments. When I go back to our Kano church, I realize that you don't need to teach our father's commitment. You don't. But today you have to emphasize to young people commitment. Because we don't see the value of it. And you see the thing is that they were taught commitment from under the law. But there are benefits of commitment whether you are in the law or not. There are rewards to your commitment. The only problem is that if you practice without the gospel, you will likely practice in fear. You will likely practice in doubt. You will practice in a lack of assurance. You will practice with uncertainties in your heart. But the good thing about you who knows the gospel is that you will practice with peace and rest of mind. You will, you will practice knowing that everything has been fulfilled and done. It is settled already. So you have, you are at a more vantage point to enhancing practices in your life. More is bestowed upon you. To whom is given much, more is expected of him. We have received the grace of God. The grace of God is not supposed to be in vain in our lives. Somebody say amen. I've been talking about giving and a lot of people don't know that what I teach, listen to me, I'm not teaching what I don't do. (laughs) I will never teach what I don't do. I've been practicing giving and I have seen the effect of giving consistently. Many of you will need to learn how to give sacrificially. Some of you will need to learn how to stretch from that level of giving you are to another in your life. Because whether you like it or not, giving is one of the practices 
Giving is one of the kingdom practices that is connected to your prosperity. Because giving does not follow the spirit of mammon. There are a lot of people who tell you, God doesn't need to bless you to have money. It's true. Because the devil offers money. But that's the spirit of mammon. The money he gives you is, that you, you, oh God, I don't have the time. Luke chapter 16, I don't have the time. But Jesus was trying to say something. That it is not about your trust in money. It is about your trust in God. He was trying to explain that the reason why you are struggling with money is because you have no trust in God. That's what he was saying. So anytime Jesus talked about money, he was talking about trust. I was speaking to someone recently. He told me, he said, Pastor Phil, I want to be intentional about giving this year. I said, it's good. He said, I'm going to be consistent because when I came in touch with some of my friends that I had not seen in a while, there were some of them who were giving, they attend Christ Embassy, they were giving a certain amount for Rhapsody of Realities in thousands. He said one of them told me now he's giving in millions. There's no way you give. You practice giving and heaven will be closed over you. There is no scripture that shows or presupposes that giving does not lead to your increase. There's no scripture. <laughs> no scripture. It's an upside down wisdom of God. But you know when we hear it today, a lot of people say, pastor is trying to use this one to enhance his pocket. You know, if CNN was available in the days of Elijah, it would have destroyed Elijah's ministry. Because Elijah told the woman, what do you have? The woman said, I have it. Elijah told her, I said, go and prepare for me first before you and your dying son. What CNN would have done, pastors of nowadays, stingy pastors, they can't even think about the widow and her son. They are thinking about, they are thinking about themselves. But you know that it is that one thing that the woman did that preserved the life of the woman and her son. Some religious people wanted to stop and say, don't give. How can you take all this money? You bought a perfume. You put it on the feet of Jesus. Why can't it be given to the poor? And the woman was, hey, see, the woman was moved from the place of insignificance, Mary, to the place of significance in Bible history. Jesus said that anywhere the gospel is preached is honor. Anywhere the gospel is preached. This woman's name must be mentioned. What did she do? She gave Jesus. You know, Jesus gave to the poor. He fed the 5,000. He engaged in practices. That's what I'm telling you. Because if you don't understand this, you will be, you will be suffering yourself. Some of us know the gospel and we are struggling. We don't want others to know we are struggling, but we are really struggling. Money you don't get. So this is Pastor Phil telling you now <laughs> that one of the ways you break out of lack and not just have it. The Bible says that you will lay gold as dust. You think it's your salary? There is a kingdom dimension to wealth and how wealth comes to God's people. 
You know when I pray for you, I pray that God will give you money you can't explain. What kind of amen is that? Amen. <laughs> God will give you, God will give you something that your 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 human understanding cannot fathom. One of our sons today, I told you on Sunday, started sowing 10,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 20,000 became 50,000 under a space of six months. If I tell you this person, some of you will say it's Yahoo, Yahoo, he's doing. Because you know him. It doesn't look like it. it doesn't look like it. There was a day when we were trusting God for money to do something in church. This guy brought one million to church. I looked at him, I said, I'm not going to pray with you yet. Meet me in church after Sunday. You know, there's some money that when it comes to you, <laughs> you need to evoke. <laughs> in less than four days, certain needs that we're trusting God for met. met. But I told him, I said, you will never go down. I didn't need to pray for him because he he engaged in something that broke him into more. Practices. Practices. TSP, we must excel in giving. We must excel in good works. We must excel in prayers. We must excel in our Bible study. We must excel in soul winning. We must excel in loving love work. I was privileged one day, some months, it's not up to three months ago, I was privileged. Colonel Moyo, I'm, I'm sure some of you know Colonel Moyo. He told me, he said, oh, daddy's around. I said, yes, daddy's around. He said, I'm coming to your house. I said, ah, Colonel Moyo coming to my house. He said, amazing. So, he came, came to see daddy. I just told my wife, I said, honey, what do we have? We looked for what we had. We didn't have much, but all we had was about $300. We packaged the $300, organized the basket. Thank you, sir, for coming to. It's honor. You know, my, my, my Mudok said something. He says, honor is the key to access. Some of us will hear that thing and we laugh. But what you don't honor, you don't access. If you despise it, you will never access it. Jesus needed to access global ministry because he was about to start his own ministry but he had to honor John the Baptist he went down Jesus was preparing himself for redemption he had to have a conversation with Moses and Elijah because their bodies were never found and his own body must not stay on the earth there is a principle of honor so I told my wife I said what do we gather we gather the money we give so he came saw daddy greeted daddy you know he won't come. I'm the one who will go and meet him. He won't come and I'm the one that will go and meet him. Amen. But he came because of my father. So he came. After we gave him all, he just sent me a WhatsApp message of 10 minutes, 1 million naira forwarded to daddy's account. I said, Kai, this man don't beat me. This man knows this thing. If you hear the testimonies in his life, you you will just marvel. He came to see my father. We should be the one saying thank you for coming. But rather he came. Honored. You know the Bible says that when you honor God's servant. If you believe the Lord your God you would be established. If you believe his prophets you will prosper. 
and you honor the servants of God, the people God has put over you as ministers, as pastors over your life, elders in the body of Christ, we must understand what it means to honor. There was a day I was going through my, um, what's it called? Oh, time is gone. I was going through my, um, what's that thing they print? Where your accounts, bank statement. I was going through my bank statement and I saw one lady, one of our ladies in church. Every month she was sending me money. And then I took, I had retrospectively thoughts about her and the reason why God was really blessing her because of that practice. So for one whole year, it was more than 59 entries. One year. Seeds. All kinds of seeds. All kinds of seeds. And God kept blessing and increasing her. I cannot go and see Bishop Wally without anything in my hands. That's not how we are taught. I cannot go to my father, not because he's my biological father. He's who God has put over me. His honor. Because just one word of God bless you. I'll be wrong with that word. That's all I need. And you know what TSP? When you decide to be a channel of blessing, God is looking for who would be a channel so that he can pass through resources through those channels. Because there are people God wants to bless. The moment you are open to blessing people, he says, he that waters shall be watered. And this is my word for you as a house. I want you all to excel in the area concerning good works, kingdom practices. Bow your heads down, everybody, if you will. You're going to pray one prayer today that acts of faith, labor of love, and the patience of hope will be stepped in your heart. That you respond to summonings, workings in your spirit. Are you listening to me now? You would respond by the grace of God to the workings of him that works mightily inside of you. Many of you are spiritual giants who are still sleeping. Many of you are men of God, women of God who are still sleeping. Many of you are anointed, but the grace of God is still in vain in your life. Many of you need to wake up from your slumber. Many of you need to arise as the giants that you are. Many of you need to rise strong in your heart, knowing that God has called you for a walk. Many of you need to rise up from sleeping. And you need to engage in practices. Some of you have had visions when you were teenagers of how God was going to use you. And, the, and, 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 and you saw it very clearly. But all of a sudden, life has confused you. Life has redirected your steps. Some of you might need to redefine your relationships. Because some of the friends that you have are not helping your cause. Some of you need to redefine what you watch. You need to fast from social media for a while. You need to stay clear from certain things that would frustrate the grace of God upon your life. This thing is not difficult because the grace of God supplies energy for you to fulfill and be consistent. The energy that God's grace brings in your life. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Oh,
Hallelujah. Look at me, everybody. You know, when I say let's pray, I know um, you're not praying to impress your neighbor. I know that. I know that you're not praying because God cannot hear you. I know that. But when I say let's pray, especially when it is collective, especially when we are gathered as a church, it is important that you pray with some more passion. Because there is something about your passion that affects your neighbor. There is something about the atmosphere in the house that your passion gets you to buy into so that you receive all that God wants you to receive. So we're going to do that one more time. I didn't say you didn't just pray. I'm not saying you didn't just pray. But I want you to pray with more passion. We're going to do just for two minutes. And because we're out of time. But just two minutes. Open your mouth and pray. So TSP, open your mouth and pray. That's better. That's better. That's better. Thank you, Jesus. If you don't know what to pray about, say, I received the grace of God to do more this year. Good works abound in my life. Kingdom practices will abound in my life. I will not be discouraged to do what I am called to do. Open your mouth and pray. Now lift your hands, let me pray for you. I release grace to do what God has asked you to do. I release the wisdom of God to go about what he has asked you to do. You will be fruitful and you will accomplish the task that he has placed on your hands. And he will look at you and say, well done thou good and faithful servant. In the name of Jesus, I release the wisdom of God upon you. I release courage. I release peace right now. I release courage. I release strength upon you. In Jesus name we pray. If you believe it, shout a loud amen, somebody. Clap your hands and celebrate the Lord. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. And for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.